Welcome, Bird Gang, and happy Thanksgiving. On today's show, we've got the latest on Kyler Murray and what is quickly becoming a depleted safety room. And then we dive into the Patriots. Just what should the Cardinals expect, especially offensively? Of course, when you talk Patriots, you got to talk Bill Belichick, and we will. It's Cardinals Cover 2, episode 358, and it starts now. Welcome to Cardinals Cover 2 with Craig Grealoux and Mike Jarecki. Cardinals Cover 2 is presented by Hyundai, proud partner of the Arizona Cardinals, and by Arizona Cardinals Podcasts. Visit azcardinals.com slash podcasts. Murray rolls to the right, throws near side to Fitz, caught, and he's into the end zone for the touchdown. Here's Craig Grealoux and Mike Jarecki. So it happens every practice as the team breaks from the team stretch and then everyone goes to their different positions, their different position groups on different parts of the field. All eyes always, MJ, go towards the quarterbacks. But it's this week, everyone is focused on the quarterbacks. There's no, hey, what's this group doing? What's that group doing? No, everyone wants to know what number one is doing you're out there during the open portion of practice here on this Wednesday and yes we're looking ahead to Sunday and no speculation here but people want to know about Kyler Murray and how his arm how his shoulder is looking he was uh he was he was out there for the stretching and then they pair off to as you pointed out uh, different position groups uh initially you know Chris Streveler and, and Brett Hundley were were you know, they, they were taking reps and he was, he was warming up. And then once he felt comfortable, he was, he was doing his normal routine, which you would do on a Wednesday or Thursday or Friday. So, and then as we're walking off the field, I mean, they, they break down into, into individual, you know, offense and defense. And we didn't get a chance to see that, but it wasn't like he was out there just standing there. He had his helmet. He was fully dressed. I took a picture of it just to show it. Picture says a thousand words. And barring any setback, uh, you know, there's no doubt in my mind he's going to play in this game. Yeah, that's what we've kind of been saying all week long, because if there was a game to miss a year ago, it would have been that last game against Seattle when he was dealing with a hamstring injury. And not only did he start, but he played all the way of the first half until Brett Hundley had to come in and relieve him. But I think that is something to excuse me. That was the, uh, the Seattle game in which he got hurt. But that last game against the Rams that we all thought, you know, it's, it's a meaningless game. You know, why put him out there? But he wanted to play. He wasn't as effective because right. he couldn't run, and that would be something to pay attention to this week. It's not a leg issue or a lower body issue, but it is that upper body and how much strength does he have to toss maybe those deeper passes down the field. Yeah, and when you look at it, you know, Cliff did he, uh, an interview uh, with the Boston media, which happens every week after he does our Zoom session at 7 a.m. And if he if he, he pointed out, now this could be gamesmanship, but if Kyler Murray didn't go, they were going to go with Chris Streveler. And, you know, I know a lot of people are thinking, well, Chris Streveler is more of a utility guy and Brett Hundley has experience. And I think he showed that last year. Um, and then they take a picture, they show that picture of Streveler when he won the Grey Cup where he's, basically doesn't have a shirt on and and they and I'm thinking I hope it doesn't come to that the only thing I would say Craig is I think it's supposed to be 48 degrees and sunny 
Now, in the second half, it could get a little colder. You wonder how the cold weather would affect the uh, the shoulder, just just in general. But you know, obviously rehab, um, him warming up before the game, uh, maybe at halftime. And one thing we touched touched on over the last couple of days is Murray before he goes on the field, he definitely, you know, he gets warm and he's 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 warming up because the next throw he makes is going to be in the game. So, um, you know, I think he's he's you know, you're up for the challenge and we'll just have to wait and see, as you pointed out, you know, on some of those deep balls, because, you know, Cliff said, you, you know, they, they cover the entire field. So you got to find your spots. We know that this team needs to run the football, um, you know, to obviously, you know, um, eliminate the negative plays and get into third and short situations. But yeah, I, now the question becomes, do you address all three quarterbacks? And that's something that Cliff said they just have discussed. Yeah, and that's important because Brett Hundley, who everyone assumed at the start of the season would be the backup, he's been inactive all season long. So if Murray does not play, Strebler would be your starter and Hundley your backup. That's what we all assume. But if you do dress all three, then Murray's going to start and going to play. It's not like you would have all three and Strebler start or Hundley start. No, if, if, if Murray is active, He's starting, he's playing, and he's going to go for however long he can. But I would be more surprised if he doesn't play than if he is listed as uh, the starter. I mean, it, it shouldn't surprise anyone if he goes out and plays, but it would be a huge shock if he doesn't play. Yes, I, I definitely agree with that. And, again, they know what's at stake here. You know, there's no easy games in the NFL. Um, they're leaving Friday. It's an early start at 11 a.m. We know that they've won – um, some East Coast games this year. And then, you know, they got to return back to the East Coast uh, to play the Giants and uh, New England. And then you throw in um, Philadelphia. So from that most part, I mean, those are three games that on paper are winnable and there's no layups here. And obviously the Patriots are trying to get back to 500. Um, you know, they, regardless of they may, don't make the postseason, I think Belichick would like to finish with a winning record again uh, without Tom Brady. And guy, eight guys opting out and they're losing running backs, you know, week after week. So it's important for them to win as many games to get to eight and eight. Again, that's just a miscellaneous stat, but it goes a long way when you talk about the greatest coach in NFL history. You know what would help and really help Murray and that shoulder on Sunday, MJ? Running game. Yeah. And getting off to a fast start so mm. you can – hand the ball off and let Kenyon Drake and Chase Edmonds do what they do. You can't play from behind because if this team is playing from behind, then Murray's going to have to throw the football. And that is something that we have seen too much of this season as far as this team playing catch up. I'm a little surprised and perplexed would be the wrong word, but when you script plays, that stuff you see during the week, and again, quarterback and, and the head coach, whether it's Friday or Saturday, what do you like? And then again, when you go off script, when it comes to third down, if it's third and three, you, you, they have a bunch of plays for that, third and five, third and seven, third and ten. And it surprises me because of those, every team, you see the really good teams just drive down the field. Now, whether they get a touchdown or not, it sets the momentum in the game. And this team, it, it's imperative that they get off to a good start in, in, in all these games because you don't want to be playing catch-up. And then the negative plays put you behind the eight ball. So um, that's something we're going to have to look for over the next couple of weeks because only 23 yards in that first quarter last week. Larry Fitzgerald was asked about that and gave a great quote. 
he said, eventually we get it going. And then later added, but it would be amazing if we could do it the first time we touch the football with respect to that first drive. And we talked about it on Monday's show, MJ. This team has one offensive touchdown on its opening possession, and that was week two against Washington. It means something. And I know sometimes the analytics and the numbers kind of get in the way and say, oh, you know, what are you doing in the third and fourth quarter? But establish a lead in the first quarter, which right now is the team's worst scoring quarter of all game. And then all of a sudden you don't have to ask Kyler Murray to do everything for you in the second half. Yeah. And we, we've all, I mean, I, I'm not state, I'm stating something that's obvious, but it's always good for the Cardinals to play with the lead because, you know, defense, they have, they have injuries. I mean, you lose Chandler Jones, you lose Corey Peters and you don't have Jordan Phillips out there and they're thin at safety, which we'll get into. So uh, to me, if, if, when they run that high tempo offense, I mean, they have to benefit because the other team can't substitute. So it's, it's imperative. And Bill Belichick was on 98.7 FM you know, Ron Wolfley played for him and they brought up analytics and he shot it down. And it's amazing because you would think it's somebody in his office, but he says he had a good line. He's like, you know, it, it's, he bases everything on down and distance and opponent. Like all that analytics stuff is what you've done over a period of time in that game. He feels that it, it doesn't mean anything, which is remarkable. And Hey, everyone's different. Uh, that's the new age in the NFL, but you know, 46% of you do this and 56%. Listen, as many games as he won, it's really about gut and knowledge and experience. He coaches in the moment. That's what you, that's a great way to describe it. Not, Hey, what has this team done over a five game sample size? Because if the Cardinals have thrown the ball 50 times for five straight weeks and you prepare for that, and then all of a sudden they do something different and then you're completely uh, out of the loop and, and, and discombobulated, if you will. So it was interesting to hear him say that numbers and the analytics do play some of a part as far as game planning. But when you're in that moment looking at a fourth and one or whether to go for two or you know, what play call here in this situation, most of it is a lot of, as you said, it's a, it's a feel, it's a gut. Yeah, and he brought up the analogy, you know, baseball is probably more for analytics where you get a pitcher and then a batter, and there's history there, but that's a one-on-one -on -one matchup. Football is 11-on-11 matchup. So you're saying, I, you know, eight of my guys got to win their matchups and I can afford three not to. And you know, listen, I'm a big analytics fan. I've learned a lot um, through Kyle and just different, you know, sites I check out. I think it's very beneficial on third and one, fourth and one, you know, where you are down in distance. That dictates if you're going to go for it. But at the same time, it's it's what's going on in the game. And, you know, I asked Patrick Peterson today, you know, two weeks ago they ran the football against the Ravens, and then Belichick's criticized on his radio show with the host, and he said Cam threw for 355 yards. Now, one of them was, was 50 yards towards the end. And Patrick, and I knew this, week to week, it's based on your opponent. So and what you see last week, you know, we it could be totally different, and that could be the case with the Cardinals facing the uh, Patriots' defense. Well, you bring up matchups, and it's going to be interesting to see how this Cardinals defense matches up now because there's a little bit of an issue, and maybe not a little bit, but there is a big issue now 
in that Cardinals secondary, specifically the safety position. News late yesterday that Deontay Thompson placed on the reserve COVID-19 list. We don't know if that was because he tested positive or he was in close contact with someone who tested positive. I guess there is an outside shot he would be able to play this week. We don't know yet. Then you've got Jalen Thompson, who's dealing with an ankle issue. Vance Joseph said he's probably going to miss a week or two. It's the same ankle that he hurt in week one. That cost him six games. And then don't forget, and I know he's more of a special teams guy, but Charles Washington was inactive last week because of a groin injury. So that leaves Buda Baker and Chris Banjo as your only two healthy safeties at the moment. Yeah, we know Buda's going to play pretty much every snap. Um, Banjo, to me, is more of a 30 to 40 snap guy. Um, I always go back to last year, week 14 and 15, where he got more opportunities. Um, I do like that he's a veteran versus Curtis Riley. Uh, I do like the fact that he's also on special teams so he can stay engaged in the game. And I guess the wild card would be Isaiah Simmons. Yeah, to see how much coverage he could give you or some help. Or then, you know, maybe you're asking a Jonathan Joseph or a Byron Murphy or someone that is listed as a cornerback, but maybe to play a little bit more in space. You also have Jace Whitaker on the practice squad, who they have protected here this week as one of those four practice squad players that you're able to protect. So, you know, we saw it earlier in the season, and I think they're still dealing with dealing with it on the defensive line as far as a numbers crunch at certain positions, and now it's popping up at the safety position. Yeah, that's a good call because one thing about Jonathan Joseph, even though he's listed as a cornerback, he's a guy that can play in man-to-man, he can play in the zone, and he, his football IQ is off the charts, and that's the reason why the Cardinals were excited to bring him in here. You know, he's kind of a veteran presence, so – I would think if Washington's healthy enough, he'll be up. And, and I do think Chase Whitter has an opportunity because, you know, after Byron Murphy, um, who's the backup at slot receivers, at slot corner. So, yeah, those are moving parts. But that's a good point about uh, Jonathan Joseph. And I think it does help this week because, and this is no knock on the Patriots offense or their skilled position players, but they're not really – they're not really top heavy or star power at the wide receiver position. Yes. Demir bird, the former Cardinal Nikhil Harry, the former ASU standout, but running back James white leads the team in catches bird leads the team in receiving yards, but none of these names that we're talking about here are one household names. And then two that would leave you going, all right, well, that's a matchup to watch. So again, we're talking about this, on paper, and we know what happens when we talk about it on paper versus what happens on the field. Maybe it's a totally different conversation post game on Sunday. Well, I think the reason why you see James White so much involved in the passing game is because they want Newton to get rid of the ball quickly. And, you know, uh, they, they really like that running back from Alabama, Damian Harris. Um, they have James White, who's also a guy that can line up on the outside looking for that wheelhouse route. And then the Cam Newton, I mean, he's, he's got, you know, a ton of rushing touchdowns this year, like Kyler Murray, but he only has four touchdown passes. Uh, Myers had a really good game a couple of weeks ago. Uh, Demir Bird, who does get separation, but not the biggest guy in the world. And on the other side, um, the, the Boston media asked uh, Stefan Gilmore who he's going to cover. And he said, I think it's pretty obvious. And that's going to be De- DeAndre Hopkins. Yeah, that if 
Gilmore can take away Hopkins from a Patriot standpoint, then certainly that helps them. Now I'll say this about Gilmore. He had missed three straight games because of a knee injury. He just returned last week. How healthy is he? Now he is the reigning AP defensive player of the year. So that might be a fun matchup to pay attention to. And if it is strictly a one-on-one matchup, or as we saw last week with the Seahawks, there was that safety coming over the top, or at least showing that they were going to be able to help. Yeah. And, and, you know, um, obviously Belichick, who knows what kind of defense he's going to call. I mean, they, they really run a three, four, but they have four, three concepts when they bring in their nickel package. So it's, it's really five men at the line of scrimmage, but you know, he's, he's going to try to do everything and, you know, we talk about their best player. If he's going to put Gilmore on Hopkins, I got to think he's going to try to keep Kyler Murray in the pocket. He's not going to let him run. And, and that's going to be a, a factor because we know when Murray gets eight or nine rushes and maybe because to the shoulder, he doesn't take as many chances because you could get hit in the open field. So it's going to be a great chess match, but I do think it's imperative for the Cardinals to get off to a good start. Cardinal fans, make sure if you haven't already, update to the latest version of the Cardinals mobile app today. The update features an all-new redesigned home screen experience. Visit azcardinals.com slash app for more. I want to go back to something you had said, MJ, here as we continue on this Wednesday edition of Cardinals Cover 2 presented by Hyundai, proud partner of the Arizona Cardinals. And that was a question that you asked of Patrick Peterson with respect to the Patriots offense And in the words, uh, Peterson, quote, caters to whatever the weakness is of the other team, end quote. And that is something that we've also seen on the defensive end as well. And what does the offense and defense have in common? Well, the head coach is Bill Belichick, and that's kind of his mantra. I'm going to take away whatever you do best, and then I'm going to exploit your weakness on the other side as far as the offense or defense to where I have the advantage. Now, Patriots this season have had an advantage running the football. They are fourth in the league at more than 153 yards per game. Yet last week against the Texans, they had their second lowest rushing total of the season, only 86 yards. And you mentioned it, Newton threw for over 350 yards. And that's unlike Cam Newton this season. So if you're the Cardinals here, how do you best prepare for a team that doesn't really have a tendency, if you will, when you look at a three-game, four-game, five-game sample size. Yeah, I, I definitely think you've got to be on your P's and Q's on the screen passes. We know the Cardinals have had a hard time over the years running the screenplay. It's getting better. And then defending the screenplay. And that's where Cam, he's also an RPO guy. He's also a zone read guy. He's usually in the shotgun so he can see the entire field. And whether they, he hands it off, because he will run too. I mean, I know he doesn't like to take the hits, but he's got the body to run. And um, he gets rid of the ball so fast. I think that's why you're seeing the running backs lead in receptions. And then Demir Bird could be a guy. And Myers, um, they could be the intermediate route guys. But there's a reason why um, they want to win at the line of scrimmage. And that's where Belichick kind of hangs his hat. And then, you know, if the Cardinals feel like they got to, you know, put an extra guy in the box, then we're going to see them throw the ball. So it's the ultimate chess match, especially against Belichick. 
Cam Newton is not the same Cam Newton that the Cardinals have seen and certainly not the one that they played against in the NFC Championship game in 2015. Yet he is still, I think, maybe maybe not the explosive kind of quarterback, but he certainly is very experienced, very knowledgeable. There's a reason why the Patriots went out and took a chance on him when the Panthers and Newton kind of went their separate ways. But this is something that is, I think, going to be interesting because what Cam Newton do you get? Do you get the one that can be like that Kyler Murray type of signal caller who is good just as well as throwing the football as he is running the football? Or is he more of a running back because he's got nine rushing touchdowns this season, which is second, well, second to Kyler Murray, who has 10 rushing touchdowns. I mean, I could certainly see this game all of a sudden, maybe it takes two and a half hours because this team, the Cardinals and the Patriots, they're just running the ball left and right because that is what these teams like to do first and foremost. You know, I hate to say this, but based on – it's it's weird when I see him throw the football. And because he had the shoulder injuries and he's taking a ton of hits, I mean, I don't know if a quarterback's been hit more than Cam Newton – and you can't blame that on Ron Rivera because that's what he he can he can win those matchups. But I think he's a game manager. I think that's what they're asking. Don't lose the game, and that's his Patriots motto: don't make mistakes. And so now they'll take chances, obviously, if they're down by ten points. But they're asking him. And I don't. When you hear somebody manages the game, I mean, Alex Smith was a pro at it, and it's not a bad connotation. It's that's what our personnel is. Well, Tom Brady was a game manager, like it or not, his first handful of seasons in the league because the Patriots' defense was so good, and that won them three Super Bowls in four seasons, and then he developed. Now, that was a young quarterback, and now he's much more experienced, and this might be the opposite with Cam Newton as far as you take advantage of his skill set, his explosiveness, and then when that kind of slows down because of father time, then you have to adjust and figure out, all right, if I still want to be relevant in this game and be effective, what do I have to do to help my team? No one likes that moniker of game manager, but Cam Newton, and I know four and six is not great, although he did miss one game because of COVID-19. He is still, I think, an effective quarterback. You might just need to surround him with a little bit more talent. Yes, I would agree with that. And, you know, Belichick's a guy that will play field position. I mean, he loves left-funded punters because the ball comes off the leg a little bit different when you're trying to return. He's willing to play field position with you. And he's, he's also a guy that will play situational football. And they play complementary football. If the defense gets a turnover, you usually see the offense, you know, either get a field goal or a touchdown. So they're probably the key. Um, you look at stall drives, they only have two. You know who it's from? Nikhil Harry. Nikhil Harry caught five passes last week. Now, he's been up and down, obviously, a first-round pick. You don't see Belichick usually draft wide receivers in the first round. Um, but they, they definitely had a need there. But, yeah, he, he'll, he's willing to play field position with you. And a lot of times the weather could be a factor, which it won't be. Uh, when the schedule came out, you're always concerned with that. But he's not, he's not afraid to just run the ball in the, in, into the line and play field position because now he's going to force you to do something with your offense. Well, what do we say? Your best defense sometimes is your offense, especially if you want to keep the other team 
off the field. If the goal is to keep Kyler Murray off the field, then I can certainly see the Patriots running the ball a lot more. Now, a couple of points with that. They've got Damian Harris. they got James White. But they lost Rex Burkhead because of a knee injury, and he tweeted out that he's done for the season with a torn ACL. The other question mark for the Patriots on that offensive side is their left tackle, Isaiah Wynn, left last week's game with an ankle injury. How healthy is he to kind of help with that rushing attack? Yeah, and and so to me, you're probably going to see a lot of short passes um, because you know how I feel about those. They're almost extended run plays, and they're capable of going on a 10 or 12 play drive because they're probably not going to turn the ball over because they're not going to throw it very far. And that's where Cam comes in. And Cam Newton's the perfect quarterback on the third and one and fourth and one, just because of his size. We know Brady did it. He excelled at it, but he put the ball up there and it was never punched out. Cam is willing to, to dive into that guard center spot. And you got to say it's almost automatic because he's 6'5 and 260 pounds. So when it comes to short yardage, that's how they're able to extend drives. Well, now he was talking with Mike Reese earlier today. He covers the Patriots for ESPN.com. And we were talking about this Patriots team. And it's been two decades since the Patriots have been in this position this late in the season, meaning not in the playoff picture. And he pointed to that game against the Seahawks when Cam Newton tried to do exactly what you said late in that ball game. He pointed to that play, that missed opportunity, scoring a touchdown to where this season turned for the Patriots. And then obviously it didn't help that Newton had to miss a game because he landed on the reserve COVID-19 list. But if you're able to take away what the Patriots do best, and that is running the football, you know, you, you always say one dimensional, but I don't know if Cam Newton can lead a Patriots offense if they get down too much. And that goes back to what we started this conversation, getting off to a fast start. If you can score on your first couple of drives, get off to a 10, 14 point lead early in the contest, then you can sit, set the tempo. You can dictate the pace of the ball game as opposed to the other way around. Yeah, I remember that game. He fumbled the ball. Newton did. And that don't, normally don't happen, especially they, they were ready to score. You know, it, the game could have been a lot different. Mike Reese, man, you, you ever, he's one of the nicest guys you'll ever meet. He he's always finds time, and it can't be easy covering the Patriots because he's done it. And sometimes you got to ask the tough questions to the head coach. And, you know, if there's a pause in between there, you don't know what's going to happen. So I'm glad you got a chance to talk to Mike Reese because I think he's one of the best beat writers in the country. He can thank Belichick and Brady for his, <laughs> I would say, what his, his popularity. Oh, yeah, that's the word I'm looking for. Popularity, because, you know, you're in the playoffs every single year. You're in the AFC championship game every single year. You're in the Super Bowl every single year. And there's Mike Reese on my television set every single January, every single day. But you're right. It's uh, he, not only is he a great guy, but he's very knowledgeable and yes, you have to ask the tough questions to the head coach. And I think Belichick understands it. He just in a position talking about Belichick that, well, you know, whether he answers you or not is a different story. Let me tell you a story about Mike Reese. So when I was doing radio and, and I have met him a lot of different times uh, through the combine, we exchanged numbers. And so uh, before they were playing the Cardinals, maybe it would have been that first game. Um on that Sunday night when Brady didn't play, he was serving that suspension. Four years ago? Four years ago, yeah. So 
um, Mike calls me and he says, I'm locked out of the house. And he said, um, I, can you give me a couple of minutes and I'll do the interview? And I, I'm sure he had a cell phone, but he had to get in the house. And he goes, no, let's just do it right now. We'll worry about getting the keys later. I'm like, no, I want you to get in your house. Um, it was it was early in the season, so it wasn't like it was cold. But he was so nice to where he told me, you know, I'll do it right now. But I eventually got to get in my house. And I'm like, well, good luck. <laughs> you can follow Mike Reese this week, Bird Gang. It's a great follow at Mike Reese on Twitter as we continue here on this Wednesday. Cardinals Cover 2 presented by Hyundai, proud partner of the Arizona Cardinals. Speaking of Mike Reese, I saw this on his social media platform. He was asked, or I guess a question was asked, uh, Belichick about Larry Fitzgerald. And Reese tweeted out the response. And Belichick kind of compared Fitz and the wide receiver group to Peyton Manning and the quarterback group saying, quote, in terms of total obsession of knowing everything about the position, how to do things and convey those to his teammates. There is a huge amount of respect between Belichick and Larry Fitzgerald. It goes back a number of years. And for those that might've been able to watch the NFL 100 list fits in studio with Belichick and even though they've never been on the same side, there is certainly something that, and it's been gossiped, it's been rumored that that would be the one team that Fitz might have gone to back in the day to play with Tom Brady, play with the Patriots, and play under head coach Bill Belichick. But uh, it's, it's fascinating to hear not only Fitz, but Cliff Kingsbury talk about the respect and what they have learned either up close in Kingsbury's case or from afar with respect to Fitz from Bill Belichick. Yeah, I think Belichick's wanted Larry Fitzgerald for a long, long time. And it was always taught that, you know, let him go play for a championship in year 13 or 14. I told you there were two teams that would would have picked up Larry Fitzgerald's contract at 23.6 because they're looking for a face of the franchise. And at the time, it was the Raiders and Browns. And um, Larry... He, he's made a decision that he didn't want to go anywhere else. And I'm sure if the Patriots were really a, a true suitor, he would have had to consider, but he's raising his family here and we're all lucky for it because I hate to bring this up, Craig, but this could be his final six or seven games that they make the postseason. Yeah. We don't need to hear about that. I mean, you know, it's, I'm sure that will come up a little bit later on. We're, we're still in November. Maybe that's an end of December conversation, although it's the conversation MJ we've had now for how many straight years, four, five. Six well, it's going to happen now. at some point then. That's true. It's bound. It's it, yeah. He can't play forever. Although I've kind of, just kind of dismiss the idea of, you know, oh, he's coming back. All right, he's coming back. It just, it just, I'll be more surprised when you get that press release because, folks, it's going to be a press release. There's not going to be a press conference. Someone's going to have a story or there's going to be a tweet, and all of a sudden number 11 is just going to walk away, and we're all going to be like, really? That's it? So, yeah. Yeah, unless, unless Mr. Bidwell is able to, you know, convince him because he's got a re great relationship with the owner and the front office. And, you know, they have so much respect for each other. But he's told me in the past – He's really not going to do a whole lot. Uh, I'm sure they would like to bring him back in the ring of honor. Um, he, he's really going to wait five years until he goes into pro football hall of fame. And we all know Larry's got a lot of things off the field. So for me, it wouldn't be a surprise, but we'll let it play out. 
It was interesting to hear Fitz earlier today. He kind of had the biggest smile and the biggest reaction when he was asked about Thanksgiving <laughs> and Thanksgiving dinner and how much he's looking forward to tomorrow, which, uh, you know, typically you get the canned response and the face doesn't change expression and the voice is monotone. Yet here is Fitz, the big wide smile. You see the bright white teeth and his eyes light up and he goes on for like 30, 40 seconds about Thanksgiving. So, you know, he'll open up on certain things. Just, just don't ask him about X's and O's in the game of the National Football League. Well, he said that uh, Chad, who's who's one of the trainers, and he obviously the players have a great relationship with him because if you're ever working with him, he's trying to get you back over to the main field, and he supposedly uh, fries turkeys, and he makes enough for the players. So Larry says he's going to pick one of those up. He's going to go to his brother Marcus's house, and then he's going to go home. And he made a comment that uh, kind of what Kingsbury said today when he's asked by Catherine for sure, what's your favorite thing to do on Thanksgiving? And he said, take a nap. And Larry had this big smile about uh, what he likes to eat. And then he about a peach, was it a cobbler? Peach cobbler, yeah. With, with ice, ice cream. cream. Yeah. And then he said he's going to fall asleep. And then he's going back to the table for seconds. That's what we all do. So Larry has a lot in common with us. Just the. Uh, it's different bank account and no 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 when it comes to eating oh yeah 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 <laughs> that, that might be the only thing in common with everyone there <laughs> bird gang a reminder if you enjoy cardinals cover two we invite you to subscribe to arizona cardinals podcast on apple podcast spotify google podcast stitcher and soundcloud that way you get all of your favorite shows on the go like cardinals underground the big red raids the cardinals red sea report and of course this show cardinals cover two Visit azcardinals.com slash podcast for more information. By the way, one last note on Coach Belichick. Both Kingsbury and Fitz use the phrasing, it's an honor to be on the same field or it's an honor to share the same field as Belichick, who they both called the greatest coach in football history. We haven't talked a lot about it here on the show, but before we say so long here on this Wednesday, and of course, no show tomorrow with the Thanksgiving holiday, and maybe we'll bring it back up on Friday's edition of Cardinals Cover 2, but the Kingsbury-Belichick chess match, uh, there's certainly a storyline, there's certainly a history there, and it's not a one-sided history. Belichick spoke very glowingly of Kingsbury earlier this week. I just wonder how much nerves, how much excitement Kingsbury's going to have when he finally walks on that field and whether there's a hang, handshake at, set, at midfield or that ball is kicked off and Kingsbury's going, all right, well, I'm going to call this play, but then I know Belichick will do that. And then all of a sudden it starts messing with your mind because we've seen that from other head coaches where they do something out of the box just to try to get one over Coach Belichick. Yeah, I mean I- – I think it's only human nature, Craig. He's going to have he's going to have butterflies now. Again, once the game starts, it's football. It's 100 yards. It's 53 across the board. It's another team, um, and we know football is based on matchups. So again, it's imperative golf to that good start. But just the fact that he's kind of the pope out there, you know. Not that you're going to kiss his ring or anything, but um, well, he's got several rings. Yeah, I know that's okay. Yeah, it's true, but. <laughs> I, it's got to be human nature. I mean, even even other players, is just to look over there. I mean, we're talking about the greatest, and you you don't have to look up the stats to know how well they had done. So, 
But at the end of the day, it's football. And, you know, Vance has got his work cut out on Josh McDaniels. We really haven't talked about that. Josh McDaniels is a guy that he knows personnel and he's been around long enough. So I don't think that anything they they throw at him, he's not been able to see. The only thing I'll say about, you know, Belichick and um, what he did to the Rams in the Super Bowl was pretty remarkable. It was 13 to three. And I thought that Brian Flores used that same game plan. I wonder if that's what he's going to try to do to Kyle Murray, you know, a different quarterback, different skill set. But they, they they only held the Rams to three points in that Super Bowl. And they had almost two weeks to prepare. And, you know, Andy Reid's, what, 19-3 and three coming off a of bye week. This isn't a bye week. But that's my concern is he, he, he clearly can shut your offense down or contain it. Uh, we know scoring's at an all-time high, and we know Murray's a dynamic player. But he's going to find a way to kind of contain him, I think. Well, Flores off that Belichick coaching tree, Matt Patricia off that Belichick coaching tree, and Patricia now for two seasons in a row has had Kyler Murray's number in this Cardinals offense number. So my guess is you might see a lot of what Kyler Murray saw against the Lions a year ago this year in week one, and then, or I should say uh, in week three, and then obviously – Brian Flores and the Miami Dolphins, because uh, those were some of the more frustrating, disappointing contests for the Cardinals, uh, those three matchups against two disciples of Bill Belichick. Yeah, and, you know, it, 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 the game counts, and they tied that game, but, you know, it was Murray's first time out there, and we know the offense was trying to go a lot of four wide, and we know things change, but yeah, if you want to look at the coaching tree under Bill Belichick, those those two guys in general, I mean, you, you look at Brian Flores and then, you know, what Belichick's done and then Matt Patricia, as you pointed out. So that, that's a really good point. And I got to assume they're going to look at those games because if you want to mirror someone, the Lions and the and the Dolphins, they, they, they take a lot what Bill Belichick did. Again, different personnel, but when it comes to scheme and philosophy – I think they're all three on the same page. Most of those former assistants turned head coach don't have a lot of success against their mentor. Let's hope, though, that Kingsbury follows the footsteps of a Mike Rabel, a former player turned head coach, and now all of a sudden has some success against the Patriots. Yeah, I was trying to find this stat, like what's Belichick's, um, you know, when I say this, what's the Patriots slash Belichick's record against rookie or second-year quarterbacks. And then I was trying to find out how well he did against first- or second-year quarterbacks. That's that I can't find. But last year, when you face Belichick with the first-year or second-year quarterback, he holds the opposite quarterback to to completion percentage of 54%. Wow. It's not – I mean, you want to get in the 60-63, that means you're completing passes, but – Again, this, this is why he's Bill Belichick. I'm, and I'm not here to yell fire in the theater. I mean, we, we think Kyler Murray's one of the top five dynamic players in the league, and he's still in the top ten in passing. Uh, we know where he is rushing. But, yeah, he, it's not a surprise. It's, you're talking about a wealth of knowledge and experience, and the guys coach every single position. So, you know, he's cut his teeth in special teams. Um, I'm sure he can coach offense, but, you know, we know he's, he's bread and butter's defense. So it, it, he makes it difficult for young quarterbacks, and it makes total sense. Murray, this will be his 27th game in the NFL. 
and as much film and as much studying as he does, there might be, and I'm not even say might, there will be something that either catches him off guard or an alignment that he has never seen before. And it might only happen once, but it might be at a key point in the game to where he gets uh, off his game just a little bit. And all of a sudden there's a mistake. Now, I don't know whether it's going to turn the tide one way or the other, but uh, there might be something in that, in that bag of tricks, if you will, on the other side of the field, just for this particular week and this particular quarterback. Well, I mean, look what he's done against Deshaun Watson this year and, and Lamar Jackson. I mean, granted, you know, the, both of those quarterbacks control the ball down the field. I think Jack, Jackson's more of a, a dual threat and they kind of put him in a, in a box now where you want him to throw the ball, but they don't have the weapons on the outside and their running backs aren't, they're not healthy, but yeah, I mean, you look at, you look at Deshaun Watson when he did against them. I mean, teams can throw the ball, but when I mentioned Lamar Jackson, he's been in the league three years. And I mentioned Deshaun Watson, he's been in the league three or four years. So I'm just talking about two years in, in younger or two years in the league and shorter. So that's something to look for, but you're right. Um, that's where that's where he wins matchups, and we always talk about, you know, it's not about the X's and O's; it's about the Jimmys and the Joes. But when you play this team, it's really about X's and O's. Well, speaking of matchups, you've got a little bit more time on your hands to come up with your key matchups, your three keys for victory, and the X factor. And of course, some of that we've already kind of discussed here over the past three days. A reminder, Bird Gang. No show on Thursday. Want to wish everyone a happy Thanksgiving. And then, of course, everyone back to work on Friday because, uh, Mike Jarecki, this Cardinals team needs a win. They need to get to that seventh win before they continue the rest of their schedule because you've got three against non-conference, or I should say three out-of-division games and then three in-division games with that Rams contest to begin the month of December. Yeah, seven would mean a lot because we keep talking about getting to nine or ten and we, we were really focused on, on the remaining schedule of teams, you know, ahead of the Cardinals and behind the Cardinals. And right now, you know, you look at the Bears, they're five and five. And then you look at Minnesota, they're four and six. So once you get to that seven, eight plateau, now you're, in, you're, you're sitting in the driver's seat. You still got to get to nine or ten uh, to me to qualify in the NFC. But this will go a long way. And, uh, you know, beating a team on the road in the East Coast, Yes, it's the AFC. You want to take care of business in your conference and your division. Um, but these two, these games still count. And so that would go a long way to get to seven because it's a matter of time before you get to nine or ten. Yeah, let's hope that happens this week on Sunday when the Cardinals travel to play New England and the Patriots. And, of course, Bill Belichick on that other side as we discuss the respect certainly is there, but uh, certainly would love to see this Cardinals team what it did the last time they visited Gillette Stadium that was come away with a win back in 2012 20 to 18 a game that uh, well maybe the Cardinals had no business in winning but they're able to come away with a victory you ready for this Kevin Cobb outplayed Tom Brady that day yeah a lot of interesting things happened uh, on that day Tom I mean Kevin Cobb I mean you know he, he couldn't stay healthy but that was a long time ago I prefer to have Kyler Murray in this game 
Absolutely. And on that note, Bird Gang, we will say so long here on this Wednesday edition of Cardinals Cover 2 presented by Hyundai, proud partner of the Arizona Cardinals. Everyone enjoy their Thanksgiving holiday and Thursday, and then we'll be back with you on Friday. As always, special thanks to our executive producer, Jim Omohundro. For Mike Jarecki, I'm Craig Riolu. We'll talk to you next time here on Cardinals Cover 2.